0: With workforce shortages and supply chain issues, businesses are challenged to provide the top-notch services their customers have come to expect. On this episode of Range of Influence, we are talking about what customer service looks like now and how businesses are refocusing on creating a good customer experience. Welcome to the ROI or Range of Influence podcast. I'm Russell Hodney, President and CEO of the Columbia County Chamber. And thank you for tuning in to the second episode of our four part series we're calling A Better You in 22. With me today as always is my friend, Reagan Williams who's Senior Vice President and Maybaum and past chair of the Chamber's Board of Directors. Reagan, you wanna introduce us to our guest today? Russ, it's great to be back in the studio today,
1: and we've got some great guests and good conversation today. We have with us Eric Smith, who is the owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A here in the area in Grovetown, and also Robbie King, who's the founder and Chief Empowerment Officer at Lead Augusta. You know, the notion that the customer is king or the customer is always right has been marketing gospel for generations of businesses and brand managers and business school graduates. Uh, But I'm looking forward to a discussion today to see, is the customer still king even when they've maybe become a bit of a customer tyrant?
0: That's absolutely right, Reagan. There's a lot to unpack here. And the two of them actually recently did a seminar on this topic. So it's very timely, and I'm sure they've got a lot of information to impart today. But before we get to that, we need to recognize our sponsor, Premier Networks. And we'll get right to our interview with Robbie and Eric after this spot from Premier Networks.
1: Premier Networks is the premier information technology and cybersecurity firm in the CSRA. You have enough to worry about for your business. Leave it to the Augusta IT guys to ensure your IT is done right. No ironclad contracts, no fine print, just fast, reliable technology. From an experienced customer-centric team, locally owned, call for a free cyber assessment. Because in 2021, IT has to be right. Premier Networks, the official IT partner of the Augusta
0: Green Jackets. Welcome in, guys. Eric, Robbie, good to have you guys. Good morning. Good morning. The two of you together just recently put together a program on this topic, so it's a kind of a timely uh, uh, situation to bring you guys into the podcast studio and and go over this topic. But uh, let's just kind of dive right into it, into the, to the meat of it. Uh, you know, customer service is is really so much more than just you know being polite saying thank you or, or, you know, you're welcome or something like that, it's a culture. I came from the Anaheim area where, you know, obviously Disneyland kind of started and uh, that whole customer service model that everybody kind of knows so well with the, the Disney cast members, you know, the amount of time they spend training their cast members on how to engage with their visitors is fascinating to me. Uh, and I know Chick-fil-A, you guys are no no strangers to, to customer service as well. So why don't we kind of start with the the beginning is why is good customer service so important and why should more businesses invest the time to train their employees? And I don't know if either one of you want to start with that. Yeah. Maybe Eric?
2: Sure. You know, I think of the quote that says, the handshake of the host affects the taste of the roast. You know, we, we don't sell roast at Chick-fil-A. We sell chicken sandwiches. But if it wasn't for our signature hospitality, people wouldn't come back. And I have a lot of our customers that are, that are regulars that come back not just for that sandwich or that biscuit, but they're coming back to interact with our great people. So it, it starts there. It starts with people. It starts with that, that value proposition of how do you make that customer feel, and that's what keeps them coming back.
3: Robbie? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a number of reasons why you would want to focus on customer service. Um, for a lot of people, it's just the right thing to do. We, you know, we want to we want to make sure that people have a great experience. But if you look at it from a business perspective, then there's certainly an ROI on that as well. Because if you treat people uh, in that manner, then um, not only are they going to come back, they're going to tell other people about their experience and bring those others back. So, what I encourage people to do is to uh, you know look at look at what the value of a customer is and then do some multiplication over months and years and and all of a sudden it might only be a few dollar transition that day but it could turn into thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in some cases.
0: Yeah. Well, and to that point, you know, the, the adage is always it's more expensive to gain a new customer than it is to keep one, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yes. So so that customer service and bringing them back because of that.
3: Yeah. Well, and and you think about it, you know, companies spend uh, a lot of money on marketing. And, and bringing customers in the door. But if you, if you don't treat them right when they're in the door, then they're not going to come back, and that's, that's really just a sunk cost that you're not going to retain or regain.
1: It's one of the most important principles, right, about customer service is, is the people, right? So, you know, you got to treat the people well. Uh, as we've talked about, Eric, I, I love that quote, right, the handshake of the host is got to be better than the taste of the roast or however it went. And, and I think about that with your business, Chick-fil-A you know, unless you guys are putting some kind of something special or some kind of pixie dust on your sandwiches, like, I mean, y'all have good food, right? There's good food. You can't disclose it. I know. Uh, Y'all have good food, no doubt. Um, But certainly it's, it's a chicken sandwich. There's, it's French fries, right? It's, it's um, not incredibly different than a lot of folks, but it is good food. But we all know the Chick-fil-A experience is what we go for, right? I know it's going to be Clean. I know it's good. people are going to be polite and caring, uh, and that culture is is known. I, I think uh, you know so much more than than what other brands in your industry have. So that had to start somewhere, right? So for you guys, how did that culture of you know really great customer service start, and and what's the story behind that, and and what are our listeners what you know what can they glean from that beginning?
2: Yeah. I like that question because there's always a a beginning, and an origin to that. And I trace it back to our founder, Truett Cathy. And in fact, his story of hospitality starts at a really young age. So he had a job when he was really little. He was about eight years old. Truett said that he wasn't really good in school. Um, He wasn't an academic. He was was smart, but he wasn't book smart. Um, I think it was because he was too busy trying to serve his customers and make money back in that day. So he had a paper route, and um, he would would deliver these papers before school. And when he got finished with the route, on his way back, he would pay very close attention to who was reading the paper where. And so he knew that Miss Jones, on his way back, he'd spot her in a rocking chair. And so he would file this information away and eventually respond to that and so what Truett did was the next time, instead of just chucking the paper it on the lawn, he would carefully walk up there, place it neatly in the rocking chair, and meet his customer where she or he was at. And that was the beginning. And so Truett um, took that heart of hospitality, meeting customers right where they're at, and he, he parlayed that into his business running restaurants so he he started running restaurants in 1946 eventually it became Chick-fil-a in 1967 and so today with over 2,500 restaurants across the country and internationally Truett's heart of hospitality gets displayed with with our team members and our operators in our local communities but that was the start back
1: then. Well Truett's like a legend you know It's like probably around Chick-fil-a it's like this big uh, legend that kind of looms over everything but you know, true, it's gone. So how does an organization, you know, continue that legacy? How do you take those same principles and continue them for decades on end? Uh, and what I've experienced with, with Chick-fil-A is that you don't have any kind of <clears throat> degradation of that customer experience. It, it continues to be consistent every time you go. Uh, so so how, how do you guys, how would somebody listening take those principles and the customer service experience and continue that and continue day by day, uh, You know, deliver that before you get to the answer. So, you guys are familiar with Zappos.com. They sell shoes. They sell shoes that are available anywhere by lots of different, uh, you know, uh, manufacturers. But their their motto is to deliver wow, right? So, I I think that that's also a model that you guys have. That, you know, you deliver something that you can get at a lot of different places. I can probably drive by six places and get a chicken sandwich before I get to a Chick Fil A. But you guys deliver a wow experience. So. Um, you know, how can pe- folks do that?
2: Yeah, I think that it starts with I've got to make a commitment not to just treat it like a business, but to be true at Kathy in my community. You know, there's more to it. There's a higher purpose besides just selling chicken and fries. Um, but yeah, to be true at Kathy in my community and to help um, help showcase those traits and to carry on through its legacy. I mean, that's that's where it is. And I think the, the, the model of local ownership for the Chick-fil-A franchises, that's where it starts. It's hard to do that um, from a you know, a different kind of perspective. It's, it's a boots-on-the-ground boots type philosophy. It's me interacting with my team and actually demonstrating great hospitality um, and great customer service to our customers. And, and then they, they feed off that, too.
3: Reagan, is interesting, you brought up Zappos um, in the workshop that Eric and I recently did on customer service. Uh, that was one of the companies that we broke down and, and looked at why they're known for having world-class customer service. And I think if you look at almost any company that is that is known for that type of service, it starts with the people it starts you know the, the people that you bring onto your team you have to be very intentional very specific about who those people are and and make sure that you hire that so one of the examples that we used with Zappos was um, for about 400 positions a year they receive 30,000 plus applications and they treat those applicants whether they're they're the finalist or not they treat them as they would a customer. So that that thought process goes not only for those customers who are buying shoes but also those applicants that are coming in. So it's it's it it just weaves all the way through the company. So
1: they're setting the stage before the employee even starts with the company that they're setting that this is the expectation that we have for us as a company to our customers, and before you even sign on to be an employee, you're getting the same treatment.
3: Absolutely, and, and they, they've created a great atmosphere for their, for their employees uh, where people want to be there because they know it's going to be exciting, they know it's going to be challenging, but they also know it's going to be fun, and they know that part of, of, of their DNA is going to transcend into the customer experience.
2: I think that's a great, great point because the customer service experience it's, it's not just lip service. It has to be felt too, you know, from the inside. If that culture is not one of, of, of caring for one another or it doesn't doesn't really um, um, feel like hospitality, I think people look through that. And, and then it just kind of becomes an empty promise. So, yeah, it has to be lived out, no doubt about it.
3: Well, it does. And you, you look at companies and you can walk in almost any lobby and you can see a mission statement on the wall. Um, and and if, if the company is in, uh, you know, a customer Particularly a customer service business, there there's always going to be a uh, statement about delighting the customer or satisfying you know or bringing this market to market. But um, so many companies, those are words on a wall and they don't live by them. But you will always see companies known for excellent customer service living those words.
1: And I'm not sure we talk about it a lot. We it's in all kinds of business books. You you hear from business speakers about how important. The customer service experiences and, and, you know, putting a lot of value on that, uh, I, I don't always see the mission meet up with the, the action, right? And I was telling Russ a, a story, my wife and I ordered a specific kind of product and when it came, it wasn't correct. And so um, our expectation was is that, well, you know, great, we've got this wrong product and we'll never get this resolved, you know, as is kind of the online shopping experience sometimes. And so, you know, I emailed customer service after business hours to say, hey, th- it was wrong. That's the only way that they let you, you know, con- contact them. So we emailed customer service. Within minutes, I get a response. You know, we're so sorry. They asked me a few questions. I responded immediately. Within minutes, they responded back that not only were they going to send me the correct item uh, and expedite shipping, but that what they had already sent me, I could just keep complimentary, you know, free of charge, which I didn't even need now because it was the wrong thing. Um, and for us, the product is okay. Like, it's, it's a good product. It's not, like, the most amazing thing we've ever purchased. It's good. But the customer experience that we had, I mean, we're loyal to that company. Every time I buy that specific thing, I'm going back to them. So, you know, that that kind of thing, it's it's difficult to, to um, uh, you know, really put, you know, to quantify, I guess, the how you accomplish that always but it starts with the people and that experience that you put out there with zappos is hiring people whenever they come in to start that expectation is important um eric you guys i'm sure in the restaurant industry hire a lot of people um when i was previously an owner of a restaurant i know that we hired a lot of people there's a lot of so What's the expectation that that your new hires have when it comes to that customer experience model and and how do you guys instruct them to treat the customer?
2: So our expectation is that they are already customer service experts before we even teach them about customer service, which kind of doesn't make sense. But I think a lot of that is built within them. It's a part of their core DNA, you know, and they may not know all the language and we might have to teach them how to say my pleasure, you know, which everybody's accustomed to, but they've either got it or they don't, you know, they, they have a a heart and a desire to, to serve somebody and we can spot that pretty early. So in, in, in our interview setting, if we're looking for some of those core characteristics, you know, are they are they personable? Do they make eye contact? Are they smiling? Are they speaking enthusiastically? Are they staying connected and engaged? And guess what? If they can't do that in an interview, they're not going to do it when they're face-to-face with a customer. So it it starts there. And then we just put the polish on it. You know, we teach them the language and some of those nuances. But yeah, we're we're looking for those experts before we even teach them how to really become
3: experts. Yeah, you can teach people um, skills, but you can't teach people to be nice and to be empathetic to, to other people. That's that's something that they either are or not.
0: A lot of their upbringing, probably, you know, the environment that they grew up in. And, and if there wasn't a lot of manners maybe being taught, then it probably isn't going to follow through in their... No, Their professional it. and career.
2: And it's too expensive to teach them those kinds of manners, yeah. you know. I mean, you can fine-tune some of that stuff, but to teach somebody character and basic skills like that, and no, that needs to happen on the front end before they even get to us.
0: Speaking of manners, I think, you know, we live in a strange time where social media is, is pervasive, and it's kind of changed the way we interact with people, and especially now with companies, too, you know. It's so easy to fire off a tweet, you know, if the customer service isn't right or the experience wasn't what you expected. Um, Kind of talk a little bit about running a business and, and operating in a world where social media has basically taken all the filters off of everybody and they feel emboldened to be able to say whatever they want. So kind of leading to that question of, is the customer still king, you know, or is the customer always right? Um, Kind of talk a little bit about that, if you will, and and how you guys manage that. Maybe, Robbie, if you want to start, and and Eric, you can give some real-world perspective with Chick-fil-A.
3: Yeah, I I think when you look at what I find with some companies is they're looking at their customers too broadly. Uh, when, When you look at companies who are, known for customer service most of them have a very specific customer target that that they're looking for so in other words we're not trying to sell to the whole world we know there's a certain segment of customers that that are going to be ideal for our business so most companies make a mistake of being too broad in the customer base that they're that they're they're marketing to and I'll give you an example Russ. Um, Southwest Airlines, uh, there there was a story. The original founder and CEO, uh, there was a flyer that that flew with them very frequently. She complained constantly about everything from the uh, the way they boarded the planes, the attitude uh, that they were too casual, uh, the the food they served, the uniforms that she complained about every single thing and uh, the complaints went from the customer service folks up to uh, Herb who was the CEO and after he surveyed what it was he just simply wrote a letter to her and said uh, Mrs. Crabapple we uh, will miss you love you Herb and, and, and so sometimes you do have to look at the customer and, and know that that's not the right customer for you, for your business, for your mission, and and then you know just really define the, that customer that you that you that you can serve, and then do the best job you can with those.
1: It's an interesting discussion, Robbie. Right? I mean, <clears throat> so the question is, customer still king, or you know the, this adage that the customer's always right, and maybe we strive to to meet that. But, you know, too many people are afraid to cut somebody loose if they're just going to be a really big problem. Um, And uh, maybe that's not right in every industry. Uh, Maybe maybe it's more difficult at Chick-fil-A, Eric, to, like, bar somebody from coming in the door. But... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, making sure that you're meeting that expectation. And so, for some people, you can't meet that, that expectation. Maybe it's just best to part ways.
2: Well, yeah, I think at some point they, they stop becoming your customer and they, they start becoming a troublemaker. And so when you can identify that, well, the, there are different rules that apply for that, you know. And, you know, we've heard this statement so many times, the customer is always right. And I'll add a little part of that in parentheses in their own minds. They're always right in their own minds. And so their perception is their reality. And I think these days we really have to live in that tension of, you know, we're the expert in our craft. We know the best way to serve folks um, with the resources and the capabilities that we have. And and the other person on the other side, they may not understand that. So we have to try to do our best to kind of get into their mindset and understand that they don't know our craft. And so that's where the tension really lies. And then sometimes things go awry. I mean, social media—you mentioned Russ has, has been—it's the first time in history that I know of where everybody has a megaphone with worldwide distribution. So it's like the the most effective marketing tool that's that's ever been invented. And that can go really, really well. You can you can build your business that way, or it can go really, really poorly. And so um, I think to have um, healthy expectations of it's just a tool and because one person says something that's extreme doesn't necessarily mean that that's what our entire customer base is thinking and uh, and so I, I, I teach my team when they encounter some of these troublemakers or folks that are that are disruptive to the business and uh, I really try to encourage them with um, don't let the minority steal the majority. so don't let the one or two, customers where things went wrong, steal the majority of your joy and your talents. And sometimes it's that one transaction, that one um, customer service episode that really tanks the whole day. And I, I really try to tell my team, hey, you served 2,000 other guests perfectly today. Don't, don't get hung up on the one. So I think we really have to manage that expectation with social media, realize it is a tool, but in order to sleep well at night, you, know, you have to have a healthy expectation of, of what it's for.
3: Yeah, and, you know, sometimes, uh, and, and Eric and, and Chick-fil-A does a great job with this, but um, you, you also have to set your team up with the expectation that something is going to go wrong. We, you know, it's, it's not going to always be perfect. So you, you have a mindset that one day something's going to go wrong.
1: Well, there are customers who want things to go wrong. Like that's their goal. It, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this. I mean, thats that kind of, you know, proverbial Karen out there that's like always looking for some f- battle or fight with you, just constantly. And so, I mean, every little thing they're looking to to fight with your employee over something, to make sure that they, you know, come out on top. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier before we started re- recording. Sometimes we see instead of the keen customer, the tyrant customer. They come in and demand a lot of stuff and want to get their way. Um, and Eric, it's an interesting point that you make. That I mean, yeah, there's going to be a few people that just, um, you know, treat your employees poorly. Uh, they're not good customers, uh, but we can't lose sight of the fact that everyone else is going to be uh, really receptive to good customer service. And that's that's the goal. I mean, that tyrant that customer may never come back, and maybe you don't want them back.
3: When I think to your point earlier, Russ, um, social media ha- has made it easy to to be that person um, and, and somehow now that line seems to be moving from being on one side of the keyboard to now actually being in the face of, of that business and uh, that's created a, a, a whole new uh, set of issues for, for businesses to have to deal with that um, I mean you can see it um, on the news any given day um, airline customers I, I mean I in my life, you know, of, of quite a few years now, I, I've, I've never seen uh, the situation as dire as it is now in, in, in that industry.
0: And repeated almost every day you see a different instance where, you know, somebody, you know, or somebody goes into a restaurant and gets upset. I, I saw a news story that just last night as I was reading the news. Some lady threw a, a cup of hot soup on... A, a restaurant employee's face because it was too hot. It melted the lid of the, So I mean, th- there's just, there, there doesn't seem to be like rational thinking anymore. Yeah,
2: there's there's no end to the chaos. I, I think, you know, when you look back over the past couple of years, I think there's definitely a correlation with this. I mean, I don't think this is coming from nowhere. I mean, this is um, a really a defining moment in our history. You know, we're, we're still kind of in the teeth of this pandemic, um, it's, it's a very tumultuous time. And I, and I think people, humans in general, just have a hard time compartmentalizing that and dealing with that. And so, you know, sometimes we, we take it out on people, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and I think that's just human nature. But I think there's just a lot of stress triggers now. And so for us as customer service experts um, to not necessarily, you know, sure, we want to write off some of that, but, but also to try to understand the best that we can. And so, you know, there's, there's this principle called the iceberg effect where, you know, most of, of what holds up that, that iceberg is below the surface. Well, I think people and customers are the same way. And, um, you know, if, if somebody is acting out, chances are it's not because of the soup, you know, it wasn't a soup issue. It was, you just never know what this person is dealing with. Maybe, maybe they lost their job or, uh, you know a loved one is in the hospital um, in, in their their final stages of life so and we can't necessarily understand all those nuances but just to realize there's a there's probably a lot more underneath the surface that we just can't see and and to try to just you know understand that there's more going on I think that helps my team to realize hey this wasn't about you there's just more to it that you just can't control
1: that's a good perspective to to take a look at that and say, you know, we don't know what happened at home. We don't know what happened on the way here. We don't know what's going on in their life. Um, and to have a little grace uh, with some folks and and, and give them that. Um, so, uh, you know, I think this discussion on is a customer still king, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about that defensive position. Like, so we're, we're setting up this customer service uh, to give a great experience, and we've got some troubled customers. Like, how do we deal with that? I'm curious because, Eric, you just went to Disney World we've been to Disney world a few times. I think this is true at your business as well, that it's not always just about a really great experience. A lot of times it's about going that extra mile. It's about doing more than is expected, right? Disney is famous for, and they even have a term for it, like sprinkling pixie dust on you while you're there. You just, things happen that you don't expect. And it brings this wow moment. I've had that same experience at, at Chick-fil-A. I'll never forget at, at one of the stores here in town. Um, this was before you were in business uh, out in Grovetown, but uh, so we were at a different location, Eric. Uh, but we, uh, we were just sitting there, and w- one of the, um, I guess, assistant manager or something uh, knew us from frequenting the store quite a bit and knew that we were regular customers and came and just asked if she could give the kids ice cream. And, I mean, for our kids, that's like the best thing ever, but for us as parents who look at that and say, these people care. Like, they, they noticed us, they saw us, they see our kids, you know, they they value us, and it's so cheap to give a you know, an ice cream cone away, but those little experiences of, sure, we got the my pleasure and we got the great experience walking in the door, but that extra mile, how important do you guys think that is, the pixie dust effect from Disney, the going the extra mile that we got at Chick-fil-A that helps create that customer bond?
3: Yeah, Reagan, I mean, that, you, what you've just described is, the secret sauce of customer service it's it, it is not brain science you know we're, we're not it's it's not a difficult concept but it is creating that experience that that person feels like is unique for them. Um, you mentioned Disney and and I think we, we, we would all agree that um, Disney does a great job of it but let's bring it down to a more local level I I use this, I use this example a lot and you know, this is exactly what you want to create with a customer. Um, I'll name them Publix um, because this is a good example. Uh, so so I would like to um, use them and, and, and give them a little a little kudos. But I was um, looking for something I'd never purchased in the store before, had no idea where it would be. So of course I asked, um, you know, someone who was working there, what where would I find this? Um, instead of saying, well, it's on aisle 14, this person said, well, come with me, I'll show you. So, so took me, I followed them over there. Um, not only did they show me where it was, but, but explain which one of those products that they personally had used and liked. So that experience for me was, uh, you know, I'll never forget that. I don't even remember what the product was now, but I do remember how I felt when that person went out of their way to make sure that that I I was able to find what I was looking for. So that's that's an example of something that is easy to do, costs nothing, but having that right employee in place was was key to that experience
2: yeah and, th- and those things pay incredible dividends i mean reagan how long ago was that experience with the ice cream i mean years would not ye- I mean,
1: months ye- i I would imagine probably six seven eight years ago
2: so and you, you you're talking about it now to the world you know and it's been several years later so those little things like robbie said i mean they, they really don't take a, a whole lot of investment i mean it's just that little stretch you know that just goes the extra mile now uh, you know in our business um we, we do try to do that as well you know it may be ice cream or opening a door for somebody or putting a placemat you know at a, at a table where there's a, um, a baby but um, we, we also need to make sure that we take care of first mile things first too you know in that in that situation Reagan if if your experience was bad it took 20 minutes and you know the food was lousy and then they try to buy you off with ice cream. Yeah, that doesn't really solve. Yeah, what, then, yeah that's right. It doesn't fix everything. So uh, to, to do the first things first, well, to make sure it's a great experience in whatever industry it is. And then once that's accomplished, going the extra mile is easy. You know, it's just that little extra stretch and it's going to really, really keep you thinking about it and keep you coming back and telling that story for years to come.
1: So so, how, how do you recommend business leaders uh, that... You know, want their their employees to go that extra mile, right? So l- let's assume that they're getting those first miles correct, Like right? They're doing those things correctly. They're getting a good customer experience, but they really want their employees to go that extra mile. And I, and I'll tell you, I mean, I, I've had several experiences like the one I described, getting the the, the ice cream at Chick Fil A, um, at different businesses, and sometimes I I wondered, like, who gave this hourly employee the authority to do this right and I think some businesses have kind of decentralized that structure to give those employees the permission to kind of do those kinds of things right another another experience I'll tell you we were at Disney World and uh, one of my kids birthdays and they had a little birthday pin on yeah you've been like you wear a little birthday pin and so it's my daughter's birthday and so we're in the Main Street Confectionary I think bakery place on, on Main Street Disney and uh, we walked in, and this lady saw my daughter. She's behind the the counter making cupcakes, right? Cupcakes at Disney World are like eight dollars, right? I mean, they're not cheap, right? So, but she sees my daughter with a birthday, and she hands her over the you know the the glass there uh, a free cupcake, right? And so my daughter, I mean, it hits the hits it's the moon, right? And so those experiences again. This is ten years ago or so. Still talking about that kind of over the top. Now, this lady's, you know, making cupcakes. Like, where in the org chart is she allowed to just start giving away free product? But at some point in Disney's ethos, I mean, she's empowered or, or emboldened to do that kind of thing. So for our business leaders, how do we give our employees that kind of autonomy and permission while still kind of protecting our product or our bottom line? How do we do that?
2: I think you have to really live it out. For one, uh, those those hospitality gestures have to be displayed by by the top leaders. You know, it's it's it, you can't just you know bark at somebody and say, ah, give 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 that little girl a cupcake. You know, that has to be shown and displayed, and then it has to be talked about the the empowerment piece of um, equipping team members or cast members or associates that hey, you have the power to make to move the needle in this customer experience. And so we tell our team members that, you know, if they need to uh, surprise and delight a guest, um, they have a certain kind of amount of cash in their account to do that sort of thing, to make it right without going up the chain of management and asking, hey, can I replace this meal or whatever? No, just do it, make make the guest happy. And we benchmark a lot of our hospitality on another great brand, which is the Ritz-Carlton and I know Robbie's talked a lot about them, but um, that brand empowers their associates. Um, they're called ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I think they can—they have up to two thousand dollars a day that they can use towards uh, rectifying some customer experience. I believe.
3: Yeah, that's right, Eric. And yeah, that's another great example that that I use often um, for that world-class customer service. But Ritz Carlton does not ever want. A guest to hear the words, let me check on that for you. They want that problem or issue to be fixed immediately. And, you know, that, that as Eric said, that, that employee, whether it's a housekeeper or a front desk or, you know, anyone in the organization has the ability to do that. And I think that goes back to what you're saying, Reagan, is um, how do you do that? So there's got to be trust there. You, you've got to build that trust between uh, management and, and the employees to, to be able to do that. And, um, yeah, while that's that's not easy to do, it's also not hard to do. You just have to be intentional about it.
2: I think, I think also it's important to incentivize and applaud the things that we find are really important. So we do this with our kids. And if we tell them, you know, studies are so important, and yet when they get a good grade, we kind of overlook it and we're on to the next thing. You know, I mean, what kind of message are we sending? So, for us, what what we really try to reward and highlight in our organization is if somebody does a great job when it comes to, you know, going the extra mile, we'll we'll broadcast that on our our, our communication channel. You know, we had, um, I was doing an orientation last night uh, with four new team members and really trying to impress all these hospitality things to them. And out of the corner of my eye, I see I mean, it was like a whole flock of Chick-fil-A team members, like pushing a broken down vehicle through the drive-through. And I'm like, you can't even like make this stuff up, you know? And I'm like, okay, so what I'm talking about is right there. You guys see it like, you know, rolling through. And that's the kind of stuff that we applaud, you know, it's, it's, it's those types of behaviors. And I think the team really gets it when, um, when we're really putting our, our money where our mouth is and, um. And really making a big deal out of those things that we feel are important, and they they feel empowered to keep keep doing those behaviors. It's
1: such a good point. You know, you you Robbie's talking about building trust with your employees, and and, and then you've got in, incentivizing them. So if you've built this this relationship based on trust, that I'm trusting and trusting you is so much my business. But then whenever you do things that are great, I never talk about them or praise you or, or give you any benefit for doing so. I mean, I think that's, that's really sending the wrong message. And I think the point you make is so good. Um,
3: Well, it's, it, it comes back to some pretty basic management and, and that's, you know, you, you need to work as hard on catching someone doing something right as you do on trying to catch them doing something wrong. And, and that's that's a big part of that, that trust factor right yeah,
1: there. Yeah, we, we, I'm, I'm sure in our business and all our business, we, we don't do that enough. Everybody could probably think about ways in which they could, you know, um, you know incentivize and or praise those that are doing things really well because uh, we often are only fearful of getting in trouble for doing things wrong. And, you know, to, to, to have some kind of benefit or praise or, or just a pat on the back for doing things that are, are really good is important, you know. I, in preparation for today, I, I read a story um, from Nordstrom. Um, not many people from this area are familiar with Nordstrom, the the, the brand, uh, but a, amazing, um, you know, retail store. Um, and very quickly, there's a story about a, a customer service rep there at the Nordstrom store that noticed that a customer had left a bag full of of newly purchased items uh, and, um, was able to track them to the nearest airport. And that customer got in their car, drove to the airport, gets on the PA system, you know, with the customer, the, the airport folks and tracks the customer down before they get on an airplane.
2: Who are they? I want them. Right? Right. I know.
1: Well, the, the story continues that, you know, management saw the incredible initiative and, you know, intelligence and just go get them attitude. to this person and immediately elevated them to a new position and put them in leadership training and all this kind of stuff. And I think so oftentimes I would imagine that that kind of stuff could happen and it's just, you know, hey, great job, and then that is that is it. You know, and there, there's there's no thought to this is the kind of person that really should be leading our other people. Do, do you guys struggle with, with that, or is, is there some kind of, of – you know, maybe there's not a place to elevate somebody, but but how do oh, we make man. sure that we're doing that?
2: I think uh, care is always worthy of elevation. You know, and and I think sometimes we we, we put the uh, the focus on the wrong thing. I mean, it, you know, we we we. Um, Highlight the numerical things, the things that are easy to see, you know, the top salesperson or the big, the big victory on paper. But I think we have to look a little more carefully at those, those other wins where it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a little harder to, to see that customer interaction that, that was just a great experience. But I tell you, that's going to translate into more dollars as you go years down the road, kind of like what Robbie was talking about earlier. So, yeah, I mean, anybody that showcases that kind of character and care for a customer, um, in, in my opinion, is, is worthy of something more, you know, because that's, that's what you want to um, uh, just kind of superimpose on other team members, right? That's a great example for customer service. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that that type of um, mentality will translate into higher revenue, higher profit at some point down the way.
3: Yeah, I mean, there, you know, again, going back to earlier – um, there's there's an ROI if you want to look at it purely from from that metric. Uh, you know there's an ROI. Um, even if you go beyond it, doing the right thing. I, I think also when you're talking about having the right people in place, those are also the kind of people that are going to thrive on that recognition and and on on knowing that somebody realize that they did the right thing for that customer so it, it, it's kind of a cycle that that you know feeds on itself. The more you do the more you get.
0: We talked a lot of different topics, social media and how that impacts the. kind of to, to I guess wrap this up a little bit. do you guys have any top tips or top things that you would recommend businesses kind of really you know enact to help the customer experience? In their their business,
3: yeah, I think
0: one of the main things you can do to really enhance
3: that is by developing those relationships. And again, that goes back to trust. But you you have to talk. You have to really understand uh, what you know. What what drives not only your customer, but what drives your employees to do a good job, and. I think oftentimes we make a mistake of of treating everybody the same I always use uh, the example of checkers versus chess where um, we we tend to treat all the employees and the customers like checkers on the board where they all look the same they act the same they have the same personality where we really should be looking at them as as pieces on the chess board where um, each one's different each one has a different uh, personality, each one has a different responsibility. So I, I, I think if we can, um, you know, start thinking in terms of of specifically understanding that, that that's going to take us a long way.
2: Yeah, I don't think we can underestimate the importance of finding the right team member at the onset. Um, you know, it's kind of what, what I would call like the show dog mentality. You know, if you got a show dog, you know, it's ready. You know, you just need to wash it, bathe it, primp it. My dog at home is a mutt. That dog ain't never gonna be a show dog, you know. So I, I wanna make sure that with my team members I've got that that great example of customer service walking in the door already, you know, those those characteristics that I that I mentioned earlier. And that's just a great place to start. And then the other thing is define what first mile service is and do that really, really well. And I think that will, will probably mitigate a lot of the uh Karen effect, if you will, or the social media noise. It's just, you know, define what, what is the, the basics of customer service in your mind, whatever that value proposition is, is if it's timeliness or quality of product or, um, you know, just treating people with honor and dignity and respect and just be an expert at that, and that'll lead to more second-mile opportunities.
3: Yeah, you know, I'd like to add one more thing, Russ, in that, I think most of our discussion here today and, and most of what comes to people's mind when we talk about customer service is that in customer, the one that's actually spending money, whereas so many businesses miss the fact that they have internal customers. And those internal customers are just as important in that overall customer experience as those external customers are. And it, it kind of all ties into what we're talking about here. In the fact that you know we we've got to um, you know we got to treat our internal customers well, and they will in turn treat those external customers well. I think Richard Branson does a great job of that as as saying you know his employees are are more important to him because he knows that how he treats them is how they're going to treat the the end customers.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah,
1: incredibly important, right? So I mean, you can imagine how difficult it would be for an employee to give great customer service to the customer when they can't ever get answers from you know human resources or they can ever get support from their manager or they can never it's just it is a bad back of the house and they're expected to give a great front of the house I mean that's a recipe for disaster I'm sure um, well this has been a really great discussion I think and, and hopefully uh, some good principles have come out of it and I, I think in today's day and world you know the question is is the customer still king I think it's I think they are I think we've had to, to shift in the ways in which we relate to customers and how customers relate to the to their brands out there. Um, this is the ROI, the range of influence podcast. And one thing we do with every customer, we want to do with you guys, is to ask, you know, who have been those influencers in your life? I think it's, you know, we go back to that Truett Cathy discussion. Go, let's go back to the beginning. You know, let's keep it on customer service, though. Like, you, who has been an influence? On you to in the in the customer service world that have kind of taught you, instructed you, uh, influenced you, so so that that could then influence others.
2: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to Truett for me, but but also just some of those experiences that I've had, and um, you know, the Ritz Carlton is another great example where. They remember me and my family when we come, you know um, whenever we get a chance to do that and uh, yeah, I just those types of things, and even you know something as basic as a public type experiment like or experience like Robbie mentioned um, those those unique examples those inspire me to, to to keep doing what we're doing and do it at a high level
3: yeah I mean I, I think my philosophy is that I can learn something from everyone and always try to do that. I mean, even if I'm uh, teaching a workshop or, or coaching someone, um, I'm going to get something out of that experience and that relationship as, as well. Uh, I think we're always teachers and students at the same time if we, if we keep our mind open to that. But I've, I've had a lot of great mentors in my life. Uh, probably uh, more recently is, um, you know, I, I do a lot of work through, uh, through the John Maxwell organization. And, um, I mean, he and, and, and his inner circle, uh, just, they, they're just so inspiring to, to, to learn from. So I would say, um, recently there,
2: you know, and I'll add as well, I, I think, uh, just looking back on some of my, um, influential supervisors starting my career and, um, just, I think one that stuck out for me was when I was a graduate assistant at Clemson university, it was my, um, director of the program. It was the, um, uh, entrepreneurial, um, program and, and Karen St. John is her name. If she's listening, I appreciate you. But, uh, she would, she would, um, serve the, the, the guests, the, 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 dignitaries, the people that were coming to the office. And she was in charge of the program. She would make sure that they had, had water and they uh, had everything that they needed. And, and an example like that was instrumental for me, a great leader that led through service. And so, yeah, I mean, those examples of who have, have made a major impact on me really continue to fuel me today.
0: Well, gentlemen, that's, it's been a great conversation. And I think, uh, you know, one that we could probably spend hours and hours talking about on, you know, good examples, bad examples, um, Let's, let's do this again sometime uh, and, and, and kind of unpack some of this some more. But, uh, again, we appreciate you guys coming in, and uh, I guarantee uh, our listeners probably got a few good nuggets out of this, if nothing else. Uh, so we appreciate your time, gentlemen, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you all next time. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I don't know about you, Reagan, but it sounds like the customer still is king with the caveat. Yeah,
1: well, um, those two gentlemen are two of the best people to talk to about this topic here locally. And I think the the information that we learn from them about how to service a customer, what our brands and our companies and really our, our chamber membership should be looking at when it comes to how to relate to customers is really valuable information. And, you know, it is definitely a different time. Uh, when it comes to that business-customer relationship, but if anything else, we have to continue to provide a great customer experience, uh, no matter how those customers uh, treat us in return.
0: That's right, you still have to have that relationship with the customer, the member in the Chambers case, or else there, there's nothing to, to work from and, and move forward from, and, and for in our world, retention is king. And, and spending less money on keeping a customer uh, versus spending more money attracting a customer is, is huge. Well, we wanna thank Robbie King and Eric Smith for stopping in the studio, but we also need to thank our sponsor, Premier Networks. You can visit them at AugustaITGuys.com. Again, that's AugustaITGuys.com.
1: If you like this show, please rate us five stars and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We'll see you all next time on Range of Influence.